DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to talk college football with our college football insider, Riley Jensen. Riley, good morning. Good morning, fellas. What's going on? Well, there's a little lull now before the bowl game starts, and it's being filled by NFL News. Jordan Love to the NFL, and I'm going to think that you are surprised not at all by this news. Uh, not not really surprised. I think I, I guess what I'm surprised about is after the year that he had, that he still has, you know, super high stock, and a lot of people still talking about him like late first round, second round type draft pick. And uh, you know, I guess I guess the best thing that happened to Jordan Love is Josh Allen, who's who's playing somewhat good football with the Bills right now. They're nine and three, and he's performing at a high level. But I just thought that this year was was a drop-off that's worth considering that what's going on. I, I thought he would slide a lot further. And so when it came to his option to the NFL, I didn't think it would be as high as it is. And it, it feels like it stayed high. Um, and if, and if, if, if that's the case, and if he's going to get drafted as high as, you know, some people are saying he is, then – then I probably would have made the exact same decision as he did. Okay, yeah, I can agree with that. Now, as far as the Aggies, if I'm Gary Anderson, there's no way I start and play him in the bowl game. What's the point? Boy, that's a good, that's a good question. I mean, I, nah, I think. Well, okay, here's here's where I would maybe disagree with it. At this point, there was rumors that he was going to transfer to another school that he was going to be a graduate transfer and he was going to go. He made the decision to go to the NFL. Um, if, if this was a senior that was going to the NFL, would you not play him in the bowl game? I mean, I, I, I feel like you still play him in the bowl game. And he, he kind of, in some ways, did Utah State a solid in the sense that he didn't transfer to another school indicating that, like, you, you can't play quarterback at Utah State and make it to the NFL. And so, in some ways, that – that helps the program and you kind of, you give them the last game and you just say, Hey, thanks for the send off. And, and thanks for all you did here. You had a great year two years ago. This year has been a head scratcher, but we appreciate you. Yeah, and well, we'll if, talk to you. If that's an issue, you can't play quarterback in the NFL through Utah state. Then you just put a giant mural up of Eric Hipple. <laughs> I know, but, but Eric Hipple, <laughs> Eric Hipple was like when I was a kid, I don't and, care. Still Utah well, State, still the NFL. Absolutely, absolutely. And and you know You, you have an Eric Kippel bobblehead night then. You can talk about Bob Cagliano <laughs> and you can talk about touchdown Tony Adams at Utah State. We we can go down the list of NFL guys that nobody's heard of. Eric Hippel? Come on. (laughs) Listen, Eric Hippel took one of the nastiest hits I've ever seen from that 1985 Chicago Bears team. And he stood up for it, right? And he's still going strong. And I I have a lot of respect for him. But when it comes to recruiting today, there's not very many people that that they're out recruiting that are like, oh, yeah, Eric Hippel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll come to Utah State. (laughs) All right, I still would have tried to work in my man Henry either way. Get him some more experience because it looks that, like he's going to be your guy for next season. I would agree with that. And everything that I've heard about Henry is that he's been solid. He's been a good attitude. He's improved while he's been there. And I don't think Utah State's in bad hands going forward. In fact, I was, 
I mean, I was kind of surprised he didn't play a little bit more this year um, as much as Jordan Love struggled. But I think I think there was all kinds of issues going on there as far as uh, what to do with Jordan Love. Because, I mean, let's just let's just call it what it is. The, the play on the field was was not acceptable at the quarterback position this year. And um, that's, that's not me trying to rip Jordan Love, but that was that was not a high enough level of performance for what Utah State expects now. And so I think going forward, I think that situation will be handled differently. Uh, there's no question about it because I, I just could not have predicted. It, as so, so as crazy as it was to watch Tyler Huntley go from a pretty solid quarterback to really, really efficient this year. It was equally surprising to me this year that Jordan Love fell off the ledge as far as he did this year. But that's how that's how different of a season it was that I thought Jordan Love was going to have. How, how much change will that lead to on the offensive coaching staff? Because obviously you can switch coaches out. You can also change up duties. Sometimes you see coaches combine the quarterback coaching job with the coordinator. Sometimes you can see it split up. So there are multiple choices Gary Anderson's facing here. Or how much of it's just on the player and everything's the same going forward with the new quarterback next year? Well, I think I think if you listen carefully to what, what Gary has said during the season, there, there's been a couple times he's been calling out the players. And then I think if you listen closely, he's been calling out some coaches. It would not surprise me if there is some change. Um, but I think if I was the offensive coordinator at Utah State, I could make the – I could make the argument like, hey, you wanted me to come in and run the exact same offense as what they were running before, same tempo and all those kind of things. And that's not really my style. I tried to adjust to him. He didn't really play well. And then, you know, my argument as an offensive coordinator is like, hey, let me run it my way this year before you make a, a total judgment on what I'm doing as an offensive coordinator. Because, you asked me to do a lot of things that were like outside my comfort zone in order to make it comfortable for the players, and it didn't work. How about we make me inside my comfort zone and see if the players don't play well? So my guess is, and the style that I've seen um, from this particular offensive coordinator in the past has been, yes, sometimes he plays up-tempo, sometimes he slows it down. He's more like a, um, you know, if, if you were to make a pitching analogy, like he's got, a fastball and a slider, and then he's got a great changeup as far as his pacing goes. And I think that's what he likes to do. He doesn't like to just go fastball, 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 and go as quick as he can. And I think I think that'll that'll help him to settle into what what he wants to do. And I think you'll see the offense play a little bit better under Sanford in the second year. Yeah, I, I could buy all that. We'll see what happens there. Uh, how stunned were you that the Utes just got beat up? Could could not have seen that coming. I I think I maybe could have seen that coming or predicted it on the offensive side of the ball because I think there's been struggles with the offensive line from time to time. And I think that's not that's not me being totally critical of the offensive line. They've been they've been pretty solid all year, and I think they played way better than I thought they were going to play. But there were times during the year where Moss made up for mistakes where he'd break a tackle or he'd make somebody miss and then turn it into a great play when there was no hole there. I just, I think what was surprising to me is they did not get out physical in any game this year that I watched, um, especially on the defensive line. The defensive line was just solid. Um, 
but and then watching I, I watched three specific games with Oregon and I didn't I didn't watch the game and go, man, these guys are incredibly physical and they're just gonna be able to manhandle the Utes the way that they did. I mean the defensive line when they when they showed that play where the offensive lineman for Oregon uh pancaked Lucky, you know, uh, I wanna say Lucky Fotu. Yeah. That that wasn't the only time during the game where the offensive line for Oregon was just dominant, and I and I think from the very get go in the game they sent a message physically where they ran a zone play where all their offensive line went to the left. They had a wide receiver come to the right and block a defensive end or linebacker. I can't remember, and he just absolutely blocked that linebacker. It was a wide receiver on a linebacker, and they. They scooted up underneath it for like a 14-yard run. I went, ooh, the Oregon's ready to play. And I thought because Utah had had a couple of slow starts during the year where maybe a team gets a touchdown early, I thought, okay, Utah's going to settle into this and they're going to be able to make some adjustments um, and they're going to be able to come back. But it just never came. There was a little bit of a – a little bit of a push in the second half, and then when they scored that touchdown to go up 30 to 14 or whatever it was, kind of broke the back. But I could not have predicted that, the of all things, the offensive and the defensive line would be handled the way that they were. And I was just – I was so surprised. I think the other reason why I was surprised is because it's a senior-laden group. This is, these, are, these are guys that are seasoned, that have been in this game before, that have been in tough games, they've been in physical games and played well. I, it was just – the whole night was a head scratcher. In fact, I'm not I'm not a Utah fan, right? But like the whole weekend, I kind of just laid there going, "How did that? I need to watch that game again because how did this happen? Because I did not see it coming at all." Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So, Riley, you uh, you run the Mountain West Elite Camps, and so you get to interact with a lot of college coaches, sometimes here in Utah, sometimes on their campuses when you're traveling. Uh, is Utah coming off a really big year, going to have a really good recruiting year? Are they going to do better in-state, keeping more of the best players here? Uh, are there some players that you still think are really up in the air here, and you're curious about where they're going to go? Yeah, so uh, I I do think that this year is 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 kind of a banner year for recruiting. I think they're going to be in a lot more doors. I think just the fact that Van Fillinger from Corner Canyon decommitted from Texas, and then you see Morgan Scally and Kyle Winningham in his home on Sunday night, I think that points positively to some of the things that are going on. Um, I think when you when you look around and you look at the at the options, most of the kids here in state that go out of state, and I know that there's there's a few exceptions that have gone to Alabama, and some have gone to LSU, and some different places. But for the most part, if if Utah loses them, they lose them to another Pac-12 team. And I think that you're going to see that that the clamp kind of come down just a little bit for the Utes, where they're going to keep a few more. They they still. You know, like the the Noah Sewell kid out of Orem is going to Oregon. They, they still didn't they still didn't land him. But if they if they flip Van Fillinger and if there's some different guys that, that they can kind of start keeping, I, it's it's going to be tough if they're able to keep all the guys that they want in state and 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 not lose them to a Pac-12 team. And so, personally, 
I just think that the way Andy Ludwig coached offensively, too, it's going to help with wide receivers and quarterbacks. Because even though there wasn't, like, ginormous stats from Tyler Huntley this year, and he'll throw for 3,000 yards, and, you know, he'll have a great touchdown-interception ratio, it was it was a fun and exciting offense to watch in the, in the sense that if you're a quarterback in this offense, there was guys wide open all over the place. And as good as Tyler Huntley was this year, there were times where the blitz came and there was a drag route runner across the middle wide open and he would miss it. So I think there's even room for a quarterback to come in and play in this offense and have even more productive season than Tyler had this year, if that's if that's even possible. But I, I'm talking about as far as numbers and touchdowns go. Because I think I think as good as Tyler was, he missed some things this year. And I think, you know, you, you, you've got the transfer coming in from South Carolina. They're high on rising. The sophomore, you know, you've got Shelley. You've got young quarterbacks. I think the key – for the youth this year to me is, is I know everybody always says, oh, well, they just reload on defense. They reload on defense. But they're losing a lot of guys to the NFL this year. There's a, there's a significant number this year on that defensive team that are going to play in the NFL. So I think you're going to take a little bit of a step backwards defensively. But if you can get a quarterback in here, like this Bentley kid from South Carolina, or you can get a little bit more production out of the offense, to kind of, kind of like, cover this next year, then I think the youths, you know, really start like kind of gathering some of their recruits, getting some of their recruits in, and playing in the system. Not maybe not next year, but the year after. And I, and I think all of a sudden you start to see Utah really making a run at this conference. So you speak of if they can keep the guys in state and get the guys that really want not leave. That will never happen. They will not get all the guys they want from in-state. Every year, somebody will leave, if not multiples. Well, okay, so so not all of them, but if I, I there's there's a lot of guys that leave the state right now that they didn't necessarily really want, right? Did they like, not really want, or did they know they weren't going to get them, so save face. Well, I, I I think there's some that they don't. There's some. There's no question. There's some where you save face, but there are some, for example. You know, you're way deep at offensive line right now, and it's not really a point of emphasis in your recruiting. Unless that guy's all-world here in state, they're not going to really go after him. They'll, they'll keep it warm, and they'll say, hey, we're recruiting you, just to make it so that, like, you know, the locals aren't mad that you're not giving this local kid some love. But if you let, – let's just say, for example, you've got 15 offensive linemen – and you've got six or seven guys that you feel are really, really good and can start for you. You're stacked at offensive line, right? You don't need to add another one in that year. And it just happens to be that there's some years where you don't need offensive linemen, and there's some years where you don't need as many defensive linemen. Unless they're all world, they're not going to go after them. So that kid might slip and and go to Stanford or UCLA or USC that year because they just don't feel like they need him. Now, there's other guys where it's going to be your saving face, no question. But there are some kids that have gone out of state or to other schools that Utah legitimately just didn't feel like they needed. And that doesn't mean they aren't really good football players. It just means that Utah felt like they had some. And then there's other guys that they kind of like, they'll end up backing off and going, well, we didn't really need him, but they, they really wanted him.
right? Like, there's no question they would want the J. Tufele kid that's playing yeah, for USC right now. Like, it would have been, it would have been great to have him, right? But I do think that there's a few kids that are at some of those schools where they're just like, oh, I, I mean, USC could have him. Yeah, Tufele is yeah. an excellent example though because they are stacked at defensive line. But they should have Tufele. He's a kid from right down the street. He belongs here. You missed on him. Yeah, I I think so. And but he, but he's the type of kid that regardless of where you are in depth at defensive line, like you want Jay Tufele. Like yeah, and I don't think I, you know I don't know what the youths have said about that. I, I mean I I don't feel like they've said much at all. But I think if you really had to break down the Utah coaches and you really had an honest conversation, they'd be like, yeah, we tried as hard as we could, but. That kid just felt like he wanted to go out of state. He wanted to go to, you know, a different school. And that's what, I mean, that's okay. Like you said, you're not going to get all of them, but if they can, if, if they can land every other J2 fellow that comes through the state because they're playing really good football and the kid gets a chance to be a hometown hero, then they're in a good spot. I mean, it's not like Lecky Fotu didn't make, didn't have a ton of offers coming out of high school. And that kid, that kid was a man child too, and they kept him here. So there's, 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 there's wins and misses, you know, there's wins and losses with them. And, and sometimes you're going to want to hide it, but sometimes you, you legitimately just didn't, you know, you're looking at them and you're like, man, I just, I don't see what everybody's recruiting him for. And, and that's up to them. I will say this about the youths. I do think that they're in more doors than they've ever been in. And I do think that they do a great job. One of the things that I watch with college football that I think is important is from year to year, how much better does a guy get, right? And I do feel like players at the University of Utah develop and they get better. I think there's other schools that I watch and I watch closely that I'm like, that guy's still kind of the same player he was as a freshman. He's not improved. And to me, that's that's the indicator of good coaching is are they developing within the program? Because every kid that comes into your school is – is probably the best or the second best player on his high school team. I mean, they're they're all good players, but they have to grow to be able to advance and really help you on the college level. So, to your point about this class, and we'll use twenty four seven sports because I'm looking at it right now. Let's mm-hmm. assume the Utes will be getting at least three and maybe five of the top seven recruits, depending on Xavier Carlton at Juan Diego and Van Fillinger at Corner Canyon. If they get those two, then it's five of the top seven. They lose Sewell. And then, oddly, Mason Falslev, who's a very good football player, isn't going to play football. That's unusual. That doesn't happen most years, but he's going to go to the U and play basketball. But after right. that, UCLA, Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, all taking kids out of Utah. Scotty Edwards at Olympus. I don't know how much you know about some of these guys from – you're coaching in your camps, but Scotty Edwards at Olympus might be headed to yep. Stanford. Roderick Tialavea uh, at Highland at Highland to Washington State. He's a six-five offensive tackle. Nicholas Session at East a safety to Oregon State, and uh, Ilani Ross from Sky Ridge to UCLA. So, all, do any of those guys all, jump out at you as guys that Utah should be getting that they're not getting? Everybody they want some or all of those guys. Um, they don't. They don't necessarily jump out as guys that Utah's missing on to be. Uh, Scotty Edwards has been offered by BYU and Stanford. Super intelligent kid. Really, really, really good defensive back. He reminds me of a guy um, like like Morgan Scally coming out of high school. He reminds me of, you know, maybe not Eric Weddle, but like a Steve Tate type player. 
coming out, and he's a really, really good football player. <clears throat> and I, I kind of think Stanford's going to wrap him up just because of his grades. Um, I know his dad really well. His dad's a Harvard. He's a Harvard grad. So I'm sure that the Stanford offer is, is probably really lingering out there as like a really good offer for him. And that might have been a place that he would have gone even if Utah offered him. But I don't – I mean, I don't think Utah's looking at it like, oh, man, if we just could have had Scotty Edwards. I think they would have loved to have him because he's a great character kid. He's a he's a Chase Hansen. He's a – you know, he's – He's one of those leaders that have been on the team at the University of Utah over the years that would be great for the program. But I, I think, I think I, when you're going down that list, you know they're going to close four to five out of the top seven. I mean they're getting a lot of them, and you know the other ones that you're talking about, I don't think that they're, I don't think that they're dying to figure out how to do it, you're dying to have that kid come to their school. They're like. Yeah, he's a great kid, and we'd love to have him in our program. But if he goes somewhere else, there's there's guys that we have that are great right now. Yeah, I believe that completely. I think that's going to happen every year. I think two things are going to happen every year. There's going to be kids that are going to leave that they didn't really want because they went to Texas or California or Arizona or wherever and got kids who were better. And that's what matters the most. The, the, we don't really care. The fans don't care where they come from as long as they get players who are better than those kids who leave. Now, that's always going to happen. But I also think on the flip side, there are every year there's going to be kids that they want that they don't get from in-state. So you got both things yeah. happening. And no matter how they spin it, right. those things will happen every single year. The kids will leave that they don't really care. Kids who there's leave that they no, really care about. There's no question that Noah Sewell going to Oregon, they really, really, really wanted him. And there's no question that they really, really want Van Schillinger. Right, and they got lucky that they they fired the defensive coordinator, so now this kid is available, and and at least one Corner Canyon coach is pushing hard for Utah for obvious reasons, and I think they're going to get him. So in a sense, they lost him, but then they got lucky, and then they end up getting him. Well, I, I mean, I guess I guess you call it lucky, but but you also have to look at it that University of Utah had a lot better season than Texas did this year. No, but and the kid's still committed to Texas, even with that knowledge. No, no, he was committed to Texas, but then after the season kind of develops, you kind of look at it and you're like, well, man, I could stay right here in my backyard. No, I, I think chance. I don't think that's what happened. I think once they fired the defensive coordinator, when the season had already developed, then. He it didn't look. Wow, I need to consider Utah. No, it was they. They fired the defensive coordinator, well, coordinator, and then man, I better consider Utah. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But to me, if I'm if I'm betting on two programs right now in the sure. direction oh, that yeah. they're going, no I'm betting that. on the U. Right. And like, ironically, they'll play each other, so we'll get to see that. And in the end, who yeah. cares how you got the kid? It's like they got into the conference because Texas and Oklahoma said no. Who cares? They got in. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, no, you don't care how you get the kid. Right. But like, at the end of the day, I mean, there are so many coaches right now that are still warm recruiting. Right. Like, I, I, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I have a sneaking suspicion, and I, I have no insider information on this. I have no idea at all. But you have Andy Ludwig, who's at Vanderbilt, who's over there on the East Coast, who's recruiting quarterbacks and, and talking to different kids. And there's a kid that plays at South Carolina who now wants to transfer. I have a feeling that somewhere along the line, there was some sort of interaction between Andy Ludwig and this kid, and that he still thought he was a great kid, regardless of the fact that he signed at South Carolina. 
And now that they have a chance to get him, he probably went to Kyle and said, hey, dude. Yeah, like, get this kid. This is, the quarterback position is a tough position. It's not going to hurt us to have him in the program. Like, we should probably go after this kid. I know him. I watched him play. He's a big-time arm. He can do this. You don't care how you get him. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You might not get him till a 50-year senior transfer. But, you know, I remember specifically a player that, w- that had signed at USC out of the state of Utah. And I was at a camp, and Matt Wells was like, hey, get over here. Come talk to me. And he comes running over. The kid's got all of his USC gear on. He's been down there for years. He's like, how you doing? How's your mom and dad doing? Blah, blah. And I'm like, man, he gets done with that whole deal. And I'm like, hey, what was that all about? And he goes, hey, man, you never know. Right. Those local kids that go out of state and it doesn't work out, you want to make them feel like maybe they'll want to come back and land here. You know, and I was like, and that's. You know that's not that's not a bad idea, right? Because he he is a good football player. Hey, all and, these years later, I'm still trying to recruit my wife because you never know. <laughs> you you need to recruit her like <laughs> weekly. <laughs> you should have heard the stories. Yeah, you, you should have heard the stories from the Christmas party. <laughs> Let me just tell you this. Let me just tell you this. There better be handwritten letters every week to Jackie because <laughs> you need to make sure. You land that recruit. And tell her what a great game she played this week. Make sure she knows because. <laughs> it's condescending air hockey talk. He wanted a curb stomper in air hockey. You never know. Well, that was competition, though, once we, you know, once we get in the lovey-dovey mode. You're a competitor. I am. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Riley, we got to run. We got, uh, we've got, uh, we didn't get to the bowl games, but you know what? We've got, uh, we still got time. We got more than a week to the Aggie game. So we'll, uh, we'll talk, to you the, awesome. talk with you about that next week. Thanks, Riley. Thanks, you guys. Riley Jensen, our college football insider. You're locked on to DJ and PK. Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio show for over a decade. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. This this is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Game PK. It's 97.5 at 12.80. The zone. We just talked with uh, Riley Jensen at length about recruiting. And the bowl games are coming up. And I guess depending on your school, there's varying levels of interest in the bowl. But recruiting, everybody's interested in. Are the Utes really going to clean up? Are they altering their position in this state with high-level guys in the state? Or is this uh, a big year? a one-off, and it'll change a year from now because they have won so much this year. I don't think it changes a whole lot. I think the momentum has been growing, and it'll continue to grow. So in that way, uh, I think they're in a good spot. And the great thing about it is these guys are excellent talent evaluators, so they've always been in a good spot. I mean, I just saw something the other day. They – recruiting rankings for this season because the signing day is one week from today right today's wednesday right and they can sign and kyle who knows about this more than i do has said that he believes that the early signing date will become the signing date with a few trickling in in february Mm -hmm. so this one here is a big big deal now 
and it makes sense. And really, and, the the whole grad transfer thing, you almost have to look at that. It's not a signing date, but it's like a third opportunity. Now, they trickle in at all different times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you have to be start getting your talent, right. And in case that happens. And they, and they have an idea on that and see what happens there. So they're always going to get guys that well, – what I was going to say is that I looked at the recruiting rankings and they were 12th. When I look at that, I think, well, this is stupid. <laughs> they're not going to finish 12th in the next four years. They're just not. They're going, they may have a few uh, six and six, seven and five seasons, maybe even a five and seven season again. I don't necessarily see that, but six and six. It's going to happen. I mean, it happens to every program. They're going to need to reload. There are very few programs who just uh, keep it going no matter who you have, and they just change the names, but the dominance continues. You know, obviously Ohio State is one of them. It doesn't really matter who they have. They're going to have enough guys to where they're going to be dominating. That's just the way they are. The rest of us aren't in that situation. So you got to allow a 7-6 and six season like they had a couple of years ago and then build toward what they had this year, which was pretty doggone good, though lost uh, last Friday notwithstanding. So, plus, they've got mission kids coming back that don't factor in the recruiting, that these recruiting rankings don't, they don't even, some of them don't even know about, nor do they consider it because they put them in the class two years ago. So, I'm not so much worried about that. I, I don't see much changing. I will always see some of the top kids in this state will always leave. It doesn't matter what's going to happen. They're going to leave for their own individual reasons. Oregon, I, I heard a, there's a kid at Corner Canyon. He doesn't get much run. He's a junior who's already committed to Oregon and is a lineman. And he still has another year to go. And so that's always going to happen. If you went, you'd have to go like 5, 12, and O's <laughs> for it to change. And no one's going to do that, right? So it's not going to change. They're never going to get all their guys from in-state. They're always going to be guys who go out of state. It's just the way it is. And they'll have their own reasons, whether your brother's up there or what have you. I would like to see them. Well, A, I would like to see them go to ASU. If they don't do that, I would like to see them go to Utah if they want. Or, you know, Utah, BYU and Utah State. We get some benefit off of that. You know, it goes back to we had Trevor Riley over the summer, and he was uh, – amplifying what Ben Cahoon had said a while back that if you are a local kid and you want to make money off the locals when you're done, stay Stay here. local. Yeah. Right. Concentrate yeah. your efforts. Makes total sense. So, and Trevor, one of the days you were out on vacation over the summer, and you don't take that much, but you were gone that one day, and he was insistent upon it. You need to stay local. I had a classic example of this Sunday. Flying home. On the flight was Holodinata. He's really small. He really blends in. Yeah. <laughs> and there were a bunch of Ute fans. But they didn't know. Now, I had 20 he's... Ute fans come up to me. Guys wanting to take pictures with me. Right. And he's a Highland High kid. Yeah. He's a local and, kid. And he's got a foundation and he stayed active right. in the community He's here. been on our show. We did his golf tournament once. Yep. But he played at Oregon. Right. In the Urban Meyer era. Yeah. Bizarrely, I ended up at a Highland game for the first time to see him in person and going out to high school games on Friday night, and it was a night Urban came flying in. He's a beast. Choppering around. Yeah. He was a beast. He's a Hall of Famer, potentially. He, was, he dwarfed every other yeah. lineman there. You knew exactly really, what really he really good. Got he there. was really good. Right. He's done now, I guess. The, the very first play I saw of him at Highland High, I knew who he was. He was so much bigger than everybody yeah. else. But Now, maybe I'm yeah. wrong, but I saw him in the concourse – 
And there was nobody a bunch, came up around him and talked. Not to him that I saw. Maybe yeah. maybe they did. Right. And he had his wife and his kids. But and a guy like, like Britain, some, uh, who's way taller than everybody, a local kid who stayed local, people come up to him all the time. Well, can you imagine if Morgan Scali right. was there? People would come up to him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Morgan would, doesn't stand out because he's not that tall. He's no, but they would know who he is. Know who I, I'm not that tall. I'm going to pick you out. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm as average as they come. You know, in some areas, not so much, a little above average. But in most areas, I'm very much average-looking dude. And guys are coming up to me, talking to me left and right two days later. So my point is, if you stay local, you end up being a star in the community. Now, here's a guy going to the Hall of Fame, as far as I'm concerned. If they voted in the Hall of Fame. Zero people would be surprised. Right. It'd be, it'd be the other way. People would be surprised if he doesn't end Yeah. Up. Yeah. But I don't think he gets the run locally because he didn't play here. Yeah. And then it, he was in Oregon. They had him an honorary captain, and they brought him out on that stuff. Because he's, I, I think he's like 35 now or so, and it looks like he's done playing. I, I, I assume he's done playing. He's been out for a couple of years. So, although they punked uh, some, they punked some people when they, with a local rugby team, put out a thing that he was going to play as a press yep. release on April Fools, and I know some people bought it. Yeah, <laughs> hook, line, sinker. This is great. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> so you, but he, for whatever reason, he chose to leave. And I don't know. Do what you want. You want to go to Oregon? You want to go to Stanford? I got no criticism for you. But the Utes and BYU and Utah State, whoever it might be, you're always going to lose guys. So I don't if know you, that success of your season, I don't think that's going to change. Well, this I think, looking at these rankings every year, this is unusual. If the Utes get five of the top seven players in the state, and one of them they don't get because he plays basketball, ironically at the U, that is, compared to what we've seen in the last five years, that's a huge year for the Utes. And, and that's state. important, yeah. But, but they're not going to get the number one kid. They aren't. You're right. Sewell is the number one kid, and he's going to Oregon. Now, if you look at next year, and granted, kids get to change their mind 27 times between now and next year. Not but, 28? Eh, possibly, if you're really good. I'd go around 30. But next year, top 10, the Utes have one, the Cougars have three, Oregon has two, and a bunch of kids got no. I mean, they don't know yet. And, and that can change a lot, obviously. But it'll be interesting to see, can you clean up year after year on the best Well, kids? I never worry about Utah recruiting as long as these guys are there because they're going to find guys and they're going to develop guys. And especially now with the transfer thing, it's going to be off the wall in terms of guys we never anticipated and we had no clue about who uh, Bentley, Jake Bentley. I mean, he wasn't on my mindset, and now he's coming in here, and, and we'll look forward to him. I'm not going to build him up. I'm not going to do that either. I don't care if he threw for five trillion yards. Well, we don't know who's going to be the starter, right. but we do know that in the Pac-12, you frequently need two and sometimes three quarterbacks. Right, and that's the important thing. If he was right. all that, he would he would have stayed at South Carolina. Right. And if I'm if I'm all that, then I would beat out Holinsky and anybody else you want to bring in. But if he can help you win a couple games that you wouldn't yeah, win oh, without I, him. I'd take him in a heartbeat. Right. Absolutely. I'd take him 100 times out of 100 times. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. A reminder, we got win tickets Wednesday. Alex, Alex is filling in for Yuck. You want to do that right now? This is your chance to win tickets. Win. It's a win ticket Wednesday. Caller number 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. And you'll win tickets right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
All right, 855-340-ZONE. You want to go see Zach Brown Band? Yes. One of PK's favorites, 855-340-ZONE. We're looking for caller 12 right now. Alex will talk to you. Caller 12 gets two tickets to see the Zach Brown Band. If you don't win now, you got uh, the rest of the shows all day to win. And if you don't win the tickets, you can always go online, livenation.com, livenation.com. The Jazz, the Utes, and the Cougars. Three, two, this is real. When it comes to covering the teams you're passionate about, nobody does it better. Yes! This is DJ and PK. Okay. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. Okay. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Utah Jazz back at it tonight in Minnesota. Two teams that are ice cold. Heard of two red hot teams facing off? You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice. To get a win? Yes. We need your help, people. I'm doing my part. I got on my lucky jazz hoodie. Uh, how come you haven't worn that six times in the last eight games where the Jazz have lost? You should have had that on earlier. Because I had faith. See, that's uh, the problem with me. I have so much faith. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Jazz have lost six of eight. I believe Timberwolves in have lost nine of 12. And the goodness of their souls and their abilities that I thought they didn't need me. Well, now it's the numbers that you just pointed out aren't very good. So then I realized, yes, the Jazz need me. So I'm going to do my part. I'm wearing my jazz purple lucky hoodie. And I think the last time you wore that was the last time they played in Minnesota. Because they split two games with Minnesota earlier this year. They played them twice in three days. Lost at home, one on the road. Right. And I think you wore it out of desperation after the home loss to Minnesota. And here we are again. I'm back in a desperate situation. What can you do to help your fellow jazz? Because we're all hardcore jazz fans. I'm a jazz fan through and through. Jazz? Yeah. Breaking into your Carl Malone there. That's my letter carrier. Jazz. I'll never wear a Jazz uniform again. Yes, you will. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Let it go. It's quit, been 20 years. Quit making these dumb pronouncements. It's been 20 years. All the time. It was a lockout. It was a long time. He was struggling. I don't think he's changed. He's probably said in his home, if you don't do this, I am through with you. <laughs> <laughs> probably made 10 this week already. That's who he is. <laughs> so he said he was never going to wear a Jazz uniform. Well, I'm always going to wear a jazz hoodie when they need me. And they need me. And they need you, 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 and you. What can you do to help your fellow jazz? I ask not what the jazz can do for you, but what you can do for the jazz. DJ PK, coming up, we are going to talk with the head coach at Utah State, Craig Smith. And he will join us here uh, coming up right on the other side of this break as a they ruled St. Catherine last night, bringing in NA school for well, the express I feel purpose. Bad for her. But now, now it's the Beehive Classic, Vivint Smart House. Coming into Vivint Smart Home Arena, the Smart House hosting college basketball this Saturday. We'll talk with Craig Smith coming up next. DJ and PK.